This is the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, session number 13. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Cubicle Renegade Podcast. Today, my guest is Teresa Swankler, who is the founder of TheUnlost.com. In this episode, we discuss the kinds of fears you deal with as an entrepreneur, what it really means to be passionate about the work you do, and whether or not you should care what other people think of you as an entrepreneur. So let's get started. So who are you and what do you do? Hi, Caleb. Thanks for having me here. Um, so my name is Teresa Schwankler, and what do I do? Um, well, I, I, I blog at theunlost.com, and that is kind of my passion in my life, and that's how I found myself. And I also kind of more recently launched that as a business. So I suppose that would make me an entrepreneur. And right now, um, Caleb, I also do a little bit of freelance work online. And I also um, do some part-time work with a web marketing company here in town as well. Well, I'm glad you're here today. And um, we're going to talk about some pretty interesting stuff about, about fears, about finding work that you're passionate about, whether or not... Um, you need to be actually passionate about the specific topic or just kind of like the tasks and things like that that you do with the work. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, before we get into all that, though, uh, where did you grow up, go to school, and what were some of the things you liked to do as a kid? I grew up in Boise, Idaho, which no one knows anything about, but it's a really great place. Everyone's heard of, but they've probably never been there and they don't know anything about Yeah. I think it's Iowa, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and what did I like to do? Um, you know, as a kid, Caleb, I was really, really creative. Like, I think most kids are. I loved everything. I loved painting. I put on plays. I always had these weird um, kind of dreams of just, you know, I used to want to start this t-shirt shop in the mall parking lot. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, and I'm a vegetarian. And so... I used to want to have this ranch where I would buy cows for, and, and save them and, and save them live on my ranch. <laughs> so I, I just had, I just did everything as a kid. And then I think that what happens to a lot of us as we grow up is I kind of lost that. Mm -hmm. And so actually for a long time, um, you know, probably from late elementary school, even through high school and college, I don't know what I liked to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, I did like to play soccer, but that got taken away from me with some, I had some health uh, and joint issues. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. That was the one thing I knew I loved in high mm -hmm. school. And um, I would have called myself a passionless person for a while. I had no idea what I loved or what I liked to do. I kind of followed the script of what's cool and what am mm -hmm. I supposed to do and what's everyone else doing? And yeah. Um, and so what did you do in college? What did you study? In college, um, so I went to Gonzaga University up in um, Spokane, Washington, and I studied psychology <clears throat> because it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was the only reason I could give. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then eventually I actually decided to add in a business minor, which I'm very glad I did. Mm -hmm. um, I had never considered myself a business person at all, or even a numbers person. And I was really scared of that. But I was like, okay, I think this would be a good thing just to learn, just to get a little preview into. Um, 
so that's that's what my degree was in and then I had planned on going to grad school for psychology mm -hmm. you know oh, I'll be a counselor or a therapist or something like that I like people I like helping people all that um, but I wanted to take a year or two first after graduation to make sure that was a step I really wanted to take mm -hmm. and even decide which area of psychology to go into and right. what to get and all that and anyways so I, I ended up just doing a bunch of random jobs uh during those couple years um what were some of those jobs um well so actually when i was in college i worked with children who had autism mm -hmm. and then after college i i first did do a psychology related job um, which was called the psychosocial rehabilitation uh, specialist <laughs> and i basically went out into the community and worked with um Kind of patients who had mental health diagnoses and uh, help them kind of achieve their goals not as a therapist necessarily but again going out with them in the community so mm -hmm. it might be a kid with adhd it might be um someone who's you know afraid to leave their home and you know we i take small steps with them let's go to the grocery store mm -hmm. you know whatnot um so that was one thing believe it or not i sold insurance for a brief mm -hmm. time period I was um, a manager at Hollister, <laughs> uh, that clothing store in the mall, which believe it or not, you have to have a college degree to do that. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, I, and then, you know, what I decided is, I was like, you know, I had this spark for business, which I, I, I discovered, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but I realized I was over the years that I was really interested in business and business strategy, and I realized there was a little bit more money in that than in, you know, the psychology field, which money is not all that matters at all, but at the same time, I felt like I had something really valuable to offer and that I deserved to be paid well for that. Mm -hmm. um, so did you have any kind of entrepreneurial influences in your life when you were growing up? Like, were your parents entrepreneurs or? You know, my parents... Um, I, I guess they, they, they were in a way. So my, my mom actually um, is in direct sales, um, so network marketing, but mm -hmm. she is the best of the best. Um, and that sometimes gets a bad rap, but she, she's been really, really successful at that, so much mm -hmm. so that um, my dad actually quit his engineering job after she was doing that for a year or two, and mm -hmm. they just do that together. So, um, yeah, in that sense. But otherwise... Otherwise, no, not really. Um, I think, I don't, well, I don't know. Like, where, did, that, where, did that influence you at all? Like seeing your mom being able to work that way and the fact that your dad could quit his job, did that influence yeah. you to want to work for yourself? I think that did. You know, I mean, it wasn't like from the beginning I said, I know this is exactly what I'm going to go for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I definitely put that thought in my head. You know, I could see them working at home and just having their own schedules and making a lot more money than they would have traditionally. Um, and just being really happy um, with what they were doing and feeling that it had meaning for them. And I think it also influenced me because, <laughs> because of all the self kind of development stuff around the house. So from a right. very young age, I was exposed to all these principles and, you know, all these books around it, all these tapes. And so kind of all of this stuff that I'm into now, yeah, it was commonplace for me. So. Did, did they push that on you at all? Like, no. did they get you seven habits of highly effective kids or something? <laughs> they didn't. Oh. You know, they, they didn't. Um, 
I was actually kind of embarrassed for a while to tell my mom that I was like reading her books. I don't know. <laughs> like what were some of those books you were reading? Oh, gosh. I don't know why I can't remember. I, you know, one that I do remember was just like Dale Carnegie and kind of like the sales books, which I mean, sales is entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. um, and then, oh, like Think and Grow Rich mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I don't remember all of them right now. But, but a lot of the older school personal yeah. development books that were just kind of around the house and you just picked them up and were interested. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. And that led me to other ones. And I don't even know how I found, because this isn't one that my parents listen, or read or listened to, but <clears throat> someone I was expecting Collins mm -hmm. and uh, Good to Great mm -hmm. and Built to Last, those entrepreneurial books. And this is weird and cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. When I was driving to work at Hollister back in the day, I remember just listening to those audiobooks in my car, you know, about building great companies and, and um, you know, how to make something enduring and lasting and, you know, the values and all of that. And again, just something sparked within me. I said, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do with this. Mm -hmm. And then I would just always have these kind of business ideas come to me all the time. You're like, there's something I'm supposed to create. I don't know what it is, uh, you know, and I would have these ideas for, you know, selling jewelry, even though I didn't even make jewelry. And just all these different ideas came to me throughout the years. And I would write about them and I would kind of brainstorm and, you know, they just kind of faded and in and out and in and out. But there was always a spark there. There's something here. I just don't know what it is yet. And so how did you transition from being a manager at Hollister to what you're doing now? <laughs> I don't know. That's a long story. Let me see <laughs> if I can put it as concisely as humanly possible. So after all of that string of jobs, actually, what happened <clears throat> is I decided to go back to school, not for psychology, but for accounting. <laughs> um, because, not because I want to be an accountant, but because, again, I like business. And mm -hmm. I figured this will give me leverage. It'll. It's kind of... If I know the financials, that's a really good place to be. Mm -hmm. Not an accountant forever. Did that, went off to Australia for a while while I was wondering if kind of in between semesters saying, do I really want to study accounting? Came back, right. got a job as a corporate accountant in finance actually for about, I was there for about four years. Mm -hmm. um, it was um, only about a little over a year ago that I actually quit there. And so how it all kind of, evolved was um I I don't know somehow I was ex you know I was exposed to actually Ramid Safi first mm -hmm. was uh, I will teach you to be rich because I I'd somehow found his book on Amazon and read it and then I signed up for his blog and then through that I was exposed to other blogs like Chris Gilbo's mm -hmm. um you know, and that's even where I learned about Seth Godin. I didn't even know about him. And so suddenly this whole world just opened up and I just kind of studied that for a while and got really kind of, you know, all these concepts piqued my interest a lot. And I, I really have no good story for how <laughs> it all began. It's just kind of like suddenly it was that it, I knew that this was the thing I wanted to create. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I want to, I want I want to spread ideas. I want, I want to, like, that was what it was about. It wasn't even about starting a business. It was just like, I love these ideas of marketing and of, you know, getting 
getting ideas out there to the masses and and I think I have some I think I could frame some of the lessons I've learned in a really unique and compelling way and I want to try that it sounds really really fun to me mm -hmm. so I just I just started writing a blog I guess and learning as I went on the side while I was uh, doing accounting and um, I don't know I guess that's how it started and so where did you come up with the name for your blog from my head. <laughs> well, it's about, it's about, you know, finding your way, honestly, which is finding your way out of being lost, mm -hmm. coming um, into yourself, which is what this whole journey has been about for me. And what I think everyone, almost everyone is ultimately searching for. Right. They might think they're looking for something else, but I believe they're looking for who they really are. Um, and so I don't know how I thought of the name. I, it just, it, that's why it ex made sense to me. And I, I had no idea what I was going to start it when I first wanted to start writing. I didn't even know what my blog was really going to be about. You know, I, I actually looked back in my email the other day talking with my brother's friend who helped me kind of design my theme. And he said, well, what do you want to call it? And I said, I don't know. And I threw out all these ideas and I just remember making a really long list. And finally it came and I was like, that's it. Um, and, you know, I had written to him, I said, well, I think it's going to be this blog where I just like interview people who are making a difference, mm -hmm. like, you know, literally. Um, and so I, I know we're going <clears> to <throat> venture into this topic, but I didn't start off with this grand idea for what this was going to be or what I wanted it to become or even what I was exactly what I was going to write about. Mm -hmm. It was just you do, you do stuff. And the more you try things and the more you actually go out and take action, um, you know, answers come through action. And that's how it happened for me. Yeah, I did a similar thing where I listed out a ton of potential names and then I just kept emailing them to my wife. Uh -huh. And finally, she she picked pocket change. And she's like that one. And so yeah. that's like what I went with. And and I was the same way, like in the beginning, I didn't really know where I wanted it to go, what I wanted it to be about. And you're right, you just kind of start writing and start doing and you just kind of figure it out along the way. You mm -hmm. don't need to plan everything out and like have no, it all set up and just kind can, of figure but, it out. You know, yeah. And so some of the things you talk about now are helping people find meaningful work. So what does meaningful work mean to you? Um, you know, the way that I kind of frame it, <clears throat> And I don't know if this would be a complete definition, but I say this all the time, which is um, your truest career, no, how do I say it? Your truest occupation is to become yourself. And I believe that if we're discovering our truest selves and living that out, regardless of kind of the line of work, um, if, it's, if it's within a context that we can be who we really are, mm -hmm. um, then I believe that that will be meaningful for us because I believe that it, it you know, in our, our deepest selves, um, our, I guess, want meaning and will act in a meaningful and purposeful way. And so how can someone find their meaning or figure out what they're meant to be doing? Um, it, like as far as work goes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> this is something I'm actually really passionate about because I struggled with that for so long, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I, a lot of people do. 
especially when uh, you know graduating college um, I know so many people who kind of step out into the real world or whatever mm -hmm. and um, they say wow I, have, I really have no clue what I want to do um, <clears throat> or maybe they do know what they're passionate about but they don't know how to turn it into work right either way works um, but basically they don't know what to do with their lives and there's this, there's just this totally, I think, ridiculous notion and expectation that you're supposed to have it all figured out right away. And you're supposed to like know from the get-go, like, I want to be a doctor, and this is my meaningful work, and I'm just going to follow the steps to become a doctor, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be happy, you know? Um, that's kind of the idea I always had, that that's how it's supposed to be. And I think that's the... Um, idea under which a lot of people operate and what I found that I think is really interesting um, is that that's not usually the way it actually works right I mean, like very rarely do you have someone that you know when they're 17 or 18 they pick what they're gonna do for the rest of their life correctly and they right. do it for 45 years or whatever you know exactly I mean there are a few people who that happens to where they're like I just knew and I'm and I did it and I'm so happy mm -hmm. um, but that's that's the exception is what I found because what's happened is just over the years I, I've been so kind of interested in this topic that whenever I meet someone who's really passionate about his or her work um, I ask I ask them I say how did you figure this out how right. did you know what you wanted to do you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, how did you know this was it? And they always say, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, and then they explain the series of circumstances and events that led up to this. And a lot of times they talk about it like it's an accident, but I've, I've found kind of patterns in all these stories I've heard and in the way that kind of my own path is unfolding. And what I've what I've realized is that these these people instead of having to have it all figured out from the get-go they aren't afraid to experiment and try different things and get involved again it's the doing it's the doing that helps you find your way not just the thinking you need both so you're um, saying that the most of the time the people that you talk to about this they found it because they tried a bunch of different things yeah and it doesn't have to mean that you jump from job to job right that have been the case. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the most effective way to do it. Um, but it's just that you, you get involved with kind of different pursuits or projects or whatever, even if you have no idea beforehand whether you like it or not. Or you go, you know, you go meet new people. It's just, and, and one opportunity leads to another that leads to another. And all of a sudden you find yourself doing something that maybe you didn't even know about when you were back there in the beginning trying to think your way into the answer or you know you couldn't have foreseen I mean what I'm doing right now if I I couldn't have thought of this combination of things I'm doing right now that I love um, back when I graduated college it's just no I couldn't have no matter right. how I thought I couldn't have foreseen that and um, it's actually I like to compare it to actually businesses too because um, I don't know if if you or anyone who's listening um, has read um, Built to Last by Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. But based on this, you know, six-year research study that he did just 
to discover the differences between great enduring companies like with purpose with meaning mm -hmm. right um, and who were also successful obviously um profit wise because you need that to endure and those that did not that were under similar conditions and environments and circumstances and one of the myths that they found through this you know kind of like looking at this data very rigorously was that these great companies like they call it the myth of the great idea so everyone has this idea about entrepreneurship and about building a great company mm -hmm. or whatever it may be but they start they wake up one day and they say i have the idea you know and and then they just build this company and it skyrockets but they found that very few of these visionary companies grew according to that model. In fact, most of them actually tried doing a bunch of different things, mm -hmm. and a lot of them even began with failures. So, for example, HP, um, Bill Hewitt and Dave Packard started off with no idea. They just knew they wanted to work together, and they tried all these different things. Uh, I think, you know, he said there was like fat reducing shock machines like like bowling lane you know foul line bumpers whatever you call yeah. them all these just random things that you know that failed in rice cookers and and but, but but what they wanted was to create a great company and that's what mattered and and over through this method of experimentation which which he they call in the book um try a lot of things and see what works mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, they came to the one that worked and that's what, you know, that's the product. And, and so I think it's similar with you, with your career. Um, you don't have to start with the great idea. You, you just have to be willing to go out and try things and do things and get involved. And then you have to evaluate that correctly and follow up on it. And, um, and then you can get somewhere, somewhere really, really great. And I think that a lot of people do struggle with that. They think they need a great idea or they need to know exactly what they're going to do for the next five to 10 years with their business. But the more and more business books that I read or um, autobiographies of people like Steve Jobs and stuff like that, they, they pivot all the time of like what it is they're going to do business-wise, like what they're going to start, um, what kind of things they're going to sell, um, like who they're going to work with, all types of stuff like that. I mean... Even a site like YouTube was originally started as like a video. It was just supposed to be like a profile page for like a dating, basically. You like yeah. have a little page about you and that was it. And YouTube is now something completely different. And it's like, that's just what happens. Like you start with some idea, you do it for a while, like you're saying, and then. It's evolutionary. Right, it's exactly. Is, is what I've found for businesses and careers and many things alike. And so that doesn't mean you don't have any long-term goals or visions, um, not at all, but it's it's finding the right balance and, and allowing it. Again, it's the difference between the company and the product or for a, a person with their career, it's the difference between what they're doing, you know, their actual career work and who they are. Mm -hmm. um, if your greatest aspiration is to be a great company, then your product can change left and right. You just keep your core values and you um, kind of allow the evolutionary progress to happen by doing these experiments. Um, and if you, if your greatest aspiration is simply to be a great person and to live a life of meaning um, and purpose, then what you do 
um, whether it's walking dogs or, you know, I don't know, pulling teeth um, <laughs> as a dentist um, or being an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Those are just things. Those are products. Um, and those can change and evolve. Mm -hmm. um, but who you are is, you know, the, the, this person of greatness is your greatest aspiration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like people need to be passionate about the work that they do? And what does that mean to you to, to have passion for your work or to follow your passion? Um, do, so do I feel that they need to have it in order to be happy? Yes. Or, yeah. I happy or successful, really. Yeah, I do. Um, but I might frame that differently than some people because um, I think that kind of passion or <clears throat> excuse me or fulfillment um, in work. You know, I think people sometimes have the wrong, not necessarily the wrong, but don't quite under under. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, if I could do this." then I'll be passionate or happy or fulfilled. And, um, and it does matter what you're doing, you know? So like when, I mean, when I was back sitting in an office in my cubicle, you know, it's, it's easy to say if I could work, um, you know, on my own time and be a blogger <laughs> mm -hmm. or to work in social media or whatever, um, then I'd be happy. And then I could be passionate about what I do. Um, and to an extent, that's true, but the grass is always greener at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the way I look at it is the, what I've found is that what you do matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't think it's the end all be all. I think that what's much more important and much more indicative of whether you'll be passionate about your work and fulfilled is the people you work with. <laughs> the environment you work within and the qualities you can experience in your work. I can guarantee you with a hundred percent, I can a hundred percent guarantee you that I would be happier as an accountant working with awesome people in a great environment, um, you know, and feeling like I was doing it for a meaningful purpose, which is possible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I would be, you know, um, you know, writing or doing social media or something, you know, making videos, something that people tech, you know, usually think is cool that a lot of people maybe want to do or make mm -hmm. a living. Um, then doing that for someone else, for a cause I didn't believe in or with people. Um, so you're saying it's bigger than the actual like tasks that you do. It's more about uh, like the environment and the purpose of it all. And the people. And the people and less about like the actual things you do day to day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's both. It's kind of both, yeah. I'm not really an either or type of person. Mm -hmm. I always, I think there's almost always an and. But yeah, I guess my, I guess what I feel is that the, the doing or the actual task is, um, there's kind of people assign and they, it, people overemphasize it, I think and underemphasize the other factors. Yeah. What, are, what are some of those other factors? The, again, the, the people, people and the, the purpose part. of what you're working on. Okay. 
So, so how can people deal with um, the fear of what other people will think of them when they, you know, change gears? Maybe they have been trying to be a doctor, like you were talking about earlier, and they completely change gears and do something completely different. Like, how do people deal with that fear of what other people will think? Mm-hmm, of what other people will think. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, because I, I sometimes I experience that, you know, mm-hmm. especially when I first quit my job, um, and I said I don't really know exactly what I'm going to do, but this isn't it. And right, right. <laughs> And I, I didn't think I'd have that fear because I was so, so, so self-assured in my decision that I didn't have any fear at all leading up to it. And then once I did it, though, I did have that fear because all of a sudden I felt like, I mean, my old identity was gone, right? I, I felt like a loser. I was like, I don't have a job now. I don't really know how I'm going to make money. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I was kind of just wandering around on this road trip for a while. Um, and I didn't even know exactly where my ending point destination was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and when you're defined by your job, when someone asks you, what do you do? Like I started this off with, like you, mm-hmm. you end up thinking, Oh, if I don't have a job or if I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, like I'm less interesting. I'm not worth something. You know, like those are kind of the thoughts that you start having if you let yourself have yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me it was less, it wasn't so much I'm not interesting, but it was more like, oh, I'm not successful, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, anyways, I think, I think that there are a couple ways to deal with that. I mean, one big thing for me has been just observe those thoughts, you know, I I didn't have a lot of success success with actually trying to push them away. It's more just observe them and say, look at them, you know, take a step back and say, oh, (laughs) you know, uh, so-and-so, I'm afraid that so-and-so is going to think I'm whatever, you know, a loser or not interesting or whatever it is. And and then you just kind of realize, you know, you just ask the question objectively. You just say, well, is that true? (laughs) Or or does it matter what they they think? Yeah. matter because actually that's one of the biggest things I've learned throughout this whole journey is that the more I come to know myself the less that actually matters um I've actually come to realize that if people don't like what I'm doing or who I am it doesn't affect me (laughs) and I used to live my whole life around that you know and then I don't know how it happened so I guess this isn't a very good quote tip because I don't know how this happens but it does uh, somehow, which is that it just stops, you, you stop caring because you realize the world's not going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone can think anything of you, and those are, actually aren't the people that you want, probably, in your life. And what's happened for me is I went from kind of this neutral place where I was trying to appeal to everyone and be no one, mm-hmm. it, it's how I feel, um, whereas when I really realized who I am and what I want, some people were maybe pushed further away from me and, and maybe thought this or that about me, but that didn't matter because they were over there. And that was actually a good thing because I don't need their influence. And then the people who actually really um, resonated with who I was and what I was doing and who had the same beliefs and values actually were drawn like a magnet toward me. 
And that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, and, you know, that's actually what I found about everything, not even just the people in my life um, and, you know, fear and all of that, but just even about entrepreneurship and going out on your own or taking risks. It's like there are going to be these high points, which in this case is, oh, my gosh, there's, I have this great community now, and I'm so much closer to people than I ever was before mm -hmm. and all this. And then, but then there's also going to be these low points, which are that, oh my gosh, these people think I'm stupid <laughs> or, or, oh my gosh, what the heck am I doing? Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to fail. You know, the, the panic attacks, like it, when it's low, it's slow and it's hard. Mm -hmm. and when it's high, it's high and it's freaking awesome. And I didn't used to have that. It was always in the middle. It was always in the middle. And so, um. It, it, it's great to be able to experience both sides and that's just what I remember whenever there is that that fear or panic or whatever it may be I just remember this is this is what comes with the upside you know what I mean yeah that's really interesting because I feel like through my like college and early career I was pretty steady like yes. I w there weren't many ups and downs like emotionally and stuff like that um mm -hmm. Partially probably because I felt like I was settling for certain things. And so you just kind of did status quo and that was kind of your mood and stuff. And then maybe outside of school or work, then you'd have ups and downs like in your personal life or something. But it's interesting to hear that you were kind of the same way. And then now you have more of those highs and lows that you're talking about. Um, like, why do you think that is? Because you you're doing something more in line with who you are now? Well, I think it's because you're stepping out and you're... <clears throat> taking a risk you know you're going outside of your comfort zone and i mean it's the same thing you can compare this to anything i think it's i mean it's the same thing for example with like a relationship or falling in love it's like you could be kind of lukewarm and not really take any risks or go outside of your comfort zone not tell someone how you feel or whatever the case may be and for the most part you'll be pretty steady right you know it'll go up and down a little bit but you're you're pretty safe you're you're not going to keep yourself safe and then the second that you step out there and take this risk and really put yourself out there and say how you feel or whatever it may be, it's going to be highs and lows. I think that's just the nature of life. Mm -hmm. And so, again, the same thing with business, the same thing with, with personal, with, with your job, with anything. It's That's just how I feel. If, if you're really going to live and if you're really going to risk being yourself, that's really what it is, being mm -hmm. yourself. If you're going to risk being who you are, you're going to risk rejection. Um, but you're also going to give an opportunity for acceptance and for success and that you wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise. So it's just the, like the nature, um, there's just that duality, I think. And so, so what's, what's one piece of advice that you would give, uh, an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe an early entrepreneur, if, if you were to, to tell them like something that you struggled with or a mistake you made, what is something you would share with them um, i i think i would really just say just um keep, don't give up you mm -hmm. know keep going uh, a lot of times it, a lot of times you think something's going really wrong or maybe something's failing and it paves the way for a learning or a new success later and again there are going to be those low times but just you know as long as you believe in yourself and what you're doing and it's really what you strongly deeply want to do keep going because it's hard <laughs> right exactly i don't know i may 
people probably realize that, but I didn't. I didn't realize how hard it was. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. And and I think you need to know the difference between quitting and pivoting, like we were talking earlier. Like, <laughs> when when is it okay to like close a project you're working on and being like, I need to go in a different direction? And mm -hmm. how is that different from just like I'm quitting? Like, I'm giving up. Like, there's definitely the difference there. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And. And just stay observant, you know, pay attention to what you want and need, you know, and like you just said, what's the difference between pivoting and giving up? I mean, something interesting happened to me recently, which was, I, I found myself, I mean, I still wanted to absolutely do my own venture. And I still had this business spark and I, I still wanted to do what I want to do as badly as ever. But at the same time, I realized that I needed a little more stability and grounding and that I actually missed having coworkers and mm -hmm. I missed having a place to go into mm -hmm. to work. And, and that's not a failure. It's, it's learning about myself. And so that is the part-time work I'm doing right now is for someone else. And, but I'm really happy with it. And it still allows me the time to do my own entrepreneurial stuff. And I'm actually doing much better at it than I was when I didn't have something else mm -hmm. going on. So it's just listen to yourself and figure out what you need. You define failure. You know, that wasn't a failure to me that I, I sort of went back to work because it's a work I love and it's still leaving room for what I want to be able to kind of sprout up and grow. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So what are you, what are you excited about now that you're working on and sharing with people? Yeah, I am really excited about, my Unlost e-course for finding your truest career and life path. This is actually my second relaunch. Um, I kind of just did an experimental <laughs> launch um, this in November and um, it went really well and people really liked it. And so I've just been kind of polishing it and redoing it and getting it ready to go. And I'm, I'm excited about it because um, it, it really goes into the details on some of these concepts I've already talked about, about, okay, if you really don't know what, you know, you feel like you have this great purpose and there's something you're supposed to do, but you don't know what it is, this gives you that process to find it, the, the process that, you know, I'm using, the mm -hmm. process that everyone I've talked, almost everyone I've talked to who loves their work has used and really distills it down into actionable steps. And the the, the part I'm most excited about is that people can pay for it with moolah, which is like moolah. It's like moolah, but it's a, I call it a new kind of currency and it's designed to help people take action. Because if you, if, if you take this version of the course, you um, commit to taking action on the homework steps that I've included for the concepts mm -hmm. and you can't, you basically can't move through the course without taking action you are held accountable and that gives you a discounted price so you basically pay with moolah and i think it's really cool i gave it i gave a tedx talk about it and it's it's my way of trying to solve the problem of just consuming information and never um going out and acting on it so that's really interesting so you can't like view later pieces of the course without doing this stuff yeah, I mean there is a version. If you, there is a version where you can, but if you take the MoveLaw version, yep, you can only see the first module when you log in, and you're actually assigned a small group as well because that support base helps keep you accountable mm -hmm. and supportive. people love that. Um, and they meet, you meet with your small group. Um, yeah, and you say, okay, here's what I did, 
you know, here are the action steps I took based on homework. And then you submit that those results also in an online form and that triggers your access to the next module. So if you don't do it, then you don't move through the course. That's pretty cool. I mean, when you're learning something online, it's different than in school where you, you kind of self-paced most of the time. So I like how this is a little different where it's like you're in a small group like you would be in a typical education setting and you have to get past certain points before you can keep reading or something like that. Because when mm -hmm. you're reading like a book or you're taking an online course, like you could just fly through it all. You could do nothing. You could take no action. So I like that you've like incentivized people to actually do in the course. Yeah, to move. Yeah, move lots, so. <laughs> so, so where can people find you online? People can find me at um, theunlost.com um, and or, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know. Um, Everywhere? Uh, all over. <laughs> all over the internet. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today, Teresa. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. I had a really great time. I appreciate you having me. Of course. Take care. Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Teresa. Be sure to check out her stuff at theunlost.com. And if you want to check out the show notes, just go to pocketchange.com slash 13. That's one three. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.